0: God saved you by his grace when you believed. He saved you. He redeemed you. He restored you. He put the value back in your life.
1: Now with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: Continuing the thought that we did last week on, on serving. Okay, and and as I shared last week, I, I don't I don't do this. It's really sad that the church has to put an addendum out there. Or what's it called when you put some little notice out there? We don't want you to get Offended. We don't want you to get hurt or we don't want this to, you know, a disclaimer. Thank you. Thank you. I'm looking for which word it was, a disclaimer. Because a lot of people think, well, when you do a service like this, you're doing that because you're trying to guilt us into, folks, we're not trying to guilt anything. We're just trying to help us to be Christians. I, I got saved many, many years ago. And I've had the privilege of, of pastoring for almost 35 years. And, uh, I, I, you know, I've, I you go through a lot in ministry. So if you're looking for a bed of roses or an, for, for a skate-through situation, ministry is not ever going to be that. Why? Because, number one, you have an opposition that the rest of the world doesn't have, and his name is Satan. Satan always opposes Matter of fact, if you're serving something and is serving something somewhere, somehow, and you have no opposition, you're not serving correctly. Because the enemy, he, he's not going to, you know, what's the old saying? You don't kick a dead dog. Okay? The, the reality in all of it, there's going to be opposition just to be part of it. And I, I know that's probably not the most positive way to start out this message, but it is the truth. And as you all know me as your pastor, I am not one that tries to candy coat the scriptures, candy coat God's word. I try to help us to realize what it means to serve God. Can somebody say amen? Learning God's plan for my life is probably the greatest discovery that I ever made when it came to my Christian walk. But one of the key aspects that Carlos alluded to in his sharing this morning was I learned that the will of God involves what I have placed down here as three critical aspects. I left it in your notes because I, I really feel that, that not just serving, but in every capacity of your Christian walk, if these three things are not in operation, your struggle will never end. Yes, there's going to be struggle just in living for God. Why? Because we have a real enemy against us. But just your struggle in life itself and that peace that we always look for in working in and for and through what God is doing in our life. Number one is fully surrendering my life to Jesus. And listen to this. As being my Lord and not simply my Savior. There's a lot of people that are looking for fire insurance. Well, I I gave my life to Jesus just to keep me from hell. Praise God, that's a great reason to do it. (laughs) But you won't stay saved that way. You see, he has to become our Lord. And the Bible says that him being our Lord means he is the one that calls the shots in our life. The second thing that I learned, very young, Before I ever started getting into ministry is that being obedient to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit is critical if I'm going to yield my life to Christ in the way he wants to. The third thing that I learned, and I did a whole series on this just a few weeks ago, is that I have to keep the Lord first in every area of my life. What am I doing? Am I, am I serving him out of fear? No, I'm not serving him out of fear. But I am showing my love for his love. Think about that for a second. Have you ever just stopped to think about how much he loves me? He went to Calvary. As the song said, he came from heaven to earth to show me the way. In your nose quickly, knowing our calling in your life and mine literally comes from accepting that my life has purpose. Now, all of us try to find purpose in life. If you are a child of God, you have hands down greater ability to find your purpose in life than somebody who doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. What does it really mean, accepting my purpose in life? And I I put this in there because immediately I knew our minds are going to go this way because we're talking about serving. Does it mean that if I'm not serving, I'm not surrendered to God? This is something that we deal with. Why? Because the enemy is great at putting guilt on us, putting condemnation. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus never condemned us or guilted us into anything. So what I want to do is I want to talk about that thought for a moment and really break it down, if I may. If we are called, can you really, can you be really surrendered to Christ and not be serving? Well, I'm going to make a very bold answer to that, and that answer is no. But serving doesn't just happen in church. Serving happens in every aspect of our lives. Jesus said it this way, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. What is confessing him? Did you know on your job you're supposed to be serving the Lord? They're supposed to be able to see Christ in your life. Why? Because you may be doing something that others aren't doing saying things that others aren't saying, being something, someone that, that the rest of them are not being. So serving is not just church. It's our life. He said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. But if you deny me before men, I don't even need to read the rest. If the Scripture says, and it does, that when you become a Christian, when you and I, when we become a Christian, we are immediately entered into ministry, this is what the Scripture says, then each and every one of us should be serving regardless of our place or position in society. Let me take you to 2 Corinthians. I talked about it last week. But I want us to understand because, folks, I'm not a third-party preacher. In other words, I don't sit here and say, well, the Lord said this and I didn't say this. No, if the Lord's saying it, I'm saying it. Okay? Jesus said these words in 2 Corinthians. Well, Jesus didn't write it. Paul, Paul was the one that is credited to writing to the church of Corinth. But it was the Lord writing through him. He said in 518 of 2 Corinthians, he's given us. Who? God has given us, who is us? Christians, the task of reconciling people. The word task I can change to the job, the vocation, the responsibility. Of reconciling people. What does it mean to reconcile? You are literally restoring the value that person once had. Can I tell you something? Most of the people in the world go from birth to death not realizing their purpose because they don't feel they have any value. They're just kind of going through the motion. The only value they have is they're punching the time clock and making money for another company and taking a token paycheck home. How many know the feeling? But once again, we're talking about the difference between the world and the Christian. You see, the Christian knows their value. Why? Because Jesus thought you were so valuable that he said, Father, I'll die for them. Even while we were still worthless, worth less, which is what we were when we we're sinners. Christ died, the Bible tells us. Think about it. When we were saved... The value that God originally created in us was completely restored. He he completely reinstated you as the most precious in all of creation. The animals don't rate that. The, 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 The creation itself. You and I. You know the Bible says that when one sinner comes to Christ, all of heaven rejoices do you see how valuable you, all of heaven stops to pay attention when you give your life to Christ and then he goes on and tells us that when we were restored we immediately were put back into that position that he created you and I to fulfill i'm still in your notes so don't don't lose me folks What was that position? To help other lives be restored as well. Each Christian, each man, each woman that comes to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You say, Pastor, what is my purpose in life? I just read it. Oh, there's other gifts that God uses. But he gives those gifts to fulfill that purpose. You might be a worshiper. You might be a musician. You might be a singer. You might be an usher. You might be uh, somebody in the nursery, the children's ministry, the hospitality ministry. You might have these gifts bubbling up in you. But do you know what they're all for? They're all for the purpose of my life, being able to touch Dan's life. I might just walk in and hand him a cookie. I might, I might walk in and, and say, Bill, you know, I, I play guitar a little bit, but I, you know, I, you know and he says, well, come on, let's see. Let's see where that gift's at. You see, God gave you a purpose. And folks, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. That purpose was not for you to build your glory. It is for us to build his glory. I've never done this before. This, this is kind of cool. <laughs> I walked out on the what do they call this the catwalk? Oh. Are you laughing with me or at me? Which what 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 you? Oh, the answer was yes, I like that. But think about it, ladies and gentlemen. We have entered into position he gave us the purpose he gave us to fulfill. And that is to bring glory to God by serving him in whatever capacity. Let me take you to Ephesians chapter 2. We we love, we love the book of Ephesians. I'm going to spend some time there. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 4. But I want to read this to you. God saved you by his grace when you believed. He saved you. He redeemed you. He restored you. He put the value back in your life good things you have done. You didn't get saved because somehow or another you measured up. The Bible says while we were still lost, Jesus died. So none of us can boast about this. Look what it goes on here. For we are God's masterpiece. Say that with me. For we are God's masterpiece. You know what a masterpiece is? People spend millions and millions of dollars to purchase a masterpiece. God spent the blood of his one and only son for you who he calls his masterpiece. Does that give you a little more value today? Look what it says here. He created us anew in Christ so we can do the good things, listen to this, he planned long ago. Did you know when he planned you to serve him before you ever got saved? He planned long, long, long ago. This is why he has given each of us various gifts. Those gifts were given us, ladies and gentlemen, to build his body. Let me read that same passage out of the book of, uh, of Ephesians, chapter 2, 8 and eight through 10. But I want to read it out the message translation. Listen to what it says. Saving is all his idea and all his work. It tells us very simply, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. The human race, not this earth, but the human race that he gave. It was all his idea. All we do is trust him enough to get it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play a major role. And if we did, we'd probably go around bragging. Well, I was good enough. I did this. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. I like the way Eugene Peterson put that little line in there. It was just basically translated out of the original language. He said, we didn't make ourselves. There's not a single one of us were born because we chose to be born, nor did we save ourselves. There's not a single one of us that were born again because we were good enough or able to do it ourselves. No, it is all God. God does both the making and the saving. But then this is what I want to cap on. Listen to this. He creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him. By Christ Jesus to join him. To join him in what? In the work he does. The good work he has gotten ready for us to do. Work we had better start doing. Man's getting nervous in here. It's kind of, you feel it kind of waving through. Man, this, this is pretty serious stuff. Let me take you to Ephesians 4 because this is the place that we like to go because we like to say, okay, I understand it's, 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 it's your job to serve, but pastor, it's your job. Look at this. Ephesians 4, now these things are, these are the gifts that God gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Praise the Lord. That five-fold ministry put on our shoulders because he's going to hold us responsible for what we teach you. But he goes on to say, listen to this, we like to stop there. Well, see, pastor, I told you it's your responsibility. You're right. Your responsibility, their responsibility is to do what? Equip God's people to do God's work. My job is to get you to do your job. Somebody say amen. Oh, I knew I liked this position. My job is to get you to do your job. My job is to help you find the job that God has placed in you, the gift, the calling that God has placed in you. For what purpose? Once again, we go back to the purpose of your life. What is that? To build up the church, the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.16, just four verses later, God tells us. He breaks it all down. He says, I make the whole body Fit perfectly together. Listen to this. How does the body fit perfectly together? As each part does its own special work, the body grows. As everyone does their work, the body grows. 1 Corinthians 12 says it this way A spiritual gift has been given to each of us so that we can help each other. God gave you a purpose. And that purpose is to help each other. And along with that purpose, he gave you a special gift. He gave you an ability that works in your life and many other lives. We drop down to the 11th verse. And he said, it's the one only spirit who distributes all these gifts. And it is he alone that decides which gift each person should have. And then he goes on to say, as the body has many parts, but the parts make up one whole body... It's the same way with the body of Christ. I talked about here a few weeks ago that if your arm said to your, to your shoulder, I don't want to be a part of your shoulder anymore, and all of a sudden your arm decides to pop off and you see it flopping down the road someplace. It doesn't happen that way, does it? It only functions as it's attached. It functions as it participates in the activity of your body. Could you imagine not being able to eat? And there are some people born without arms or have arms severed. They have to learn a complete different way to eat. It is tremendous. But you and I who have our limbs, God said they have a purpose, and that is to bring a completeness to your life, to your body. Let let me share the bottom line in all of what I'm saying We were created to become like Christ. So we must understand, ladies and gentlemen, hear this, as he came to serve your purpose. My purpose is to serve. Am I making sense? Let me go on quickly, number two. That's what happens when you have three or four people speaking before you. It takes all the time. So I'm going to go through this rather quickly. Okay? I'm going to take my time. As long as I get you out of here before the other folks that go to lunch. Then you won't get mad at me. Fulfilling our purpose. I'm going to teach you in the next 15 minutes to understand how to fulfill your purpose. Number one. It comes from a heart of surrender. Remember that Lord and Savior thing? You really haven't surrendered your life if he's not your Lord. If you're still calling the shots in your life, he really isn't your Lord or Savior. A Lord controls. A Lord is the one that calls the shots. John 6, 38 says, I've came down from heaven to do what? To do your will, God, not mine. Our reason for being on this earth, the reason you're saved, is to build up God's house. And we do that by getting other people saved. Teaching, serving, ministering to others. There's something that God taught me a long time ago as a young pastor. I got really frustrated in pastoring people. You say, Pastor, has it changed since you got older? No, I'm just older and frustrated. In pastoring people. But it's okay because God's grace is there. God's help is there. He, he taught me something that really, really set me free. He said there's three issues in the kingdom. And he said, you have one issue, I have one issue, and they have one issue. And I said, okay, God, I'm listening. You got my attention. He said, your responsibility, God was speaking to me, is to preach the truth. That's why, folks, if God said it, I'm going to say it. Here it is. My job is to preach the truth. And he said, that's where your responsibility ends. As long as you preach the truth, you don't compromise it, you don't water it down, you don't, you don't try to massage it or change it. As long as you do that, you're good. That's where you end. That's where your responsibility ends. I said, okay, God, hey, I like that. Can I go home now? He said, no, there's two more. He said, now it comes to my responsibility. God speaking of himself. He says, my responsibility is to set people free. You see, it's the truth that sets people free. He said, as you preach the truth, I can set them free. I said, God, that's cool. But how come they're all not getting set free? He said, number three, they have to let me. See, I can't change anybody. I can't save you. I can't make you live for God. I can't make you serve God. I can't make you do anything. But I can preach the truth. And he can set you free. But I think the third responsibility is the greatest. Because we have to let him. And the only way we let him is we let him be Lord. Folks, I can think of all the excuses why. Can I tell you something? I really didn't feel like going to church this morning. You say, Pastor, you're kidding. No, I'm serious. It's a heart attack. I woke up this morning and I said, God, a bunch of them don't like me anyway. I don't think I'm going to go. Oh, I was having that pity party time. Have you ever had that? Man, that lip was hanging down there. I tripped over it twice this morning. God, they're not going to listen to me anyway. Go ahead. Come, give me that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I, you know, I was feeling a little bummed out this morning. I, you know, I've had a few things on my plate the last little while, and, and I was feeling, you know, I was going to call Pastor Phil and I said, you take care of it. I'm not coming in today. Then I thought, well, what if he says he don't want to? I got Pastor Ray. Well, what if he don't want to? Chuck, you ever preached. Okay. There might be a first time, you never know. But the reality, folks, is I don't always feel like doing things. Oh, Pastor, you're just joking, right? No, I'm not. There's sometimes I'd rather sit on the ocean beach than be at church on Sunday morning. I can't believe I got one amen out of that whole statement. God says my job is to preach the truth. His job's to set him free, but then comes the people. You know, one of the reasons that discourages me the most is when people won't respond. That's with the greatest frustration. God, you've done so much. You've given so much. You love us so much. How could we not respond? See, every Christian knows in their heart of hearts that we're supposed to be doing something not just our own thing. And I'm going to share a statement. Listen to this. It's in your notes. This is why many of you feel guilty at times. Because you know you're not yielding to that knowledge. Something the Lord taught me years ago, it's never an issue of knowing what to do. It's always an issue of doing what you know. See, we know what to do. And we just keep pushing back and pushing back. And you know what? God says, that's fine. That's fine. He just said, don't push back so far to where your heart gets hard. See, surrendering to that knowledge is an act of obedience. Pastor Philomon said, it's not coercion. Nobody can be coerced into doing It's not a compulsion. It is a need that you and I have that I, as a pastor, have to expose people to the understanding of God's word. And in that matter, they become challenged to respond I don't know if you all listen to Sunday morning, every Sunday morning at 6.45. Uh, we have a radio broadcast on, on Radio Shine and CAF Radio and another station. I don't remember the name. It's one of the CAF Radio uh, affiliates. 6.45. And if you're not listening, I encourage you. Get up, get up early and, and listen to it. And I, I, I give a little 15-minute at every Sunday morning that goes out to thousands of people. And I started out by... Telling people, good morning. This is Pastor Tim Masters of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff. Why don't you sit back and sip a cup of coffee, enjoy yourself, as I share some words that might encourage, enlighten, but will most likely challenge you. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the radio doesn't need another preacher that's just going to soothe and comfort. God's word is full of soothing and comfort, ladies and gentlemen, but it's full of challenge. It's full of challenge that you and I get to that place. You see, God's people, Jack Hiles said, God's people cannot be shamed into serving. They have to be challenged. And a great difficulty that the current church has Is we've removed the responsibility of Christian participation in hopes that we do not put pressure on church assimilation. Come to our church, just sit and enjoy yourself, drink coffee and cookies and go home. Be blessed, be filled, be gone. But God doesn't say that. But we try to remove that pressure. But you know what that does? When we remove that pressure from the pulpit, we put that pressure on the active participation of the church. They're the ones that have to do all the work to keep the assimilation going because the pulpit won't challenge people. The reason is very simple. It's because we're afraid if we do, people will leave. I'm here to share very proudly, this pulpit's not afraid of that. My job is to preach the truth. God's job is to set people free. Your job is to let him. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verse 18? God is the one that set all the members, each one of them, in the body as he is pleased. It's not up to you and I, ladies and gentlemen, to find the church we like. It is up to you and I to say, God, where is the church you want me? And you see, when you do that, you won't leave church as much. Oh, you'll still leave because you'll still get offended. You'll still deal with stuff. The pastor will still step on toes. It's just what he is supposed to do with she. If there's a a woman pastor what they are supposed to do. They're supposed to challenge in God's word. But it's because the church has largely quit doing this and because believers won't plant themselves in and stay in a local church that the kingdom of God is severely disabled. You see, it's not that people can't, it's the people won't. And here's what happens. Too many search, choose a church based on the worship. Well, I mean, this worship is too loud. This worship's too soft. They got a woman leading. You ever see it? They got an old dude playing piano. And they got this, this young, quiet type playing bass. How many love Dylan playing bass every week? Man, we can get another bass player so Dylan can have a break. Would you like a break, Dylan? Oh, yeah. He said, oh, yeah. yeah. We need a good enough bass player. Any bass players in the house? Bill and I have been talking about swapping off a little bit. I know, Dan, you thump a little bit, don't you? Just so we can give Dylan a break. But too many times we're looking for the worship. We're looking for a program. We're looking for, well, the... Spirit moving. Oh, I get so sick. Well, I just go where the Spirit leads. You better watch where the Spirit is leading. That's right. I, uh, people tell me, well, you know, God said. And I'm not one that shuns words, folks. I ask them, which God? Right. The Bible says to stay See, the reality, anybody know anything about horticulture? You know anything about plants? If you... Got a green thumb, a black thumb, whatever. Do you know how many times you can transplant a plant before it won't grow anymore? That's right. Very seldom. You can do it a few times. Well, it's the same thing for Christians, folks. This is why the analogies in God's Word always tells us the same stuff. Bloom where you're planted. That's right. Well, how do I know where I'm God? Where I'm where God wants you to be? Have you asked? Amen. God, I want to be in the church. You want me. Well, that that preacher, he he just, I mean, he just, he challenges me too much. Well, maybe that's exactly what you need. Ephesians 4.14 tells us why, is that we no longer be immature, tossed about by every wind of new teaching, by every new preacher that comes to town. I'm really you know, we've been pastoring. We started this church seven years ago, just my wife and I. And I think God's done a pretty cool, cool thing in seven years. I have watched people come. I've watched people go. I'm always amazed when a new church starts in town, how many people leave the church to go check out the new church. And folks, that's, that's just people. And And, you know, it happens, okay? But the reality is, We're supposed to be saying, God, where do you want me? Jesus said, I did not come to do my will, but thy will. It was G. Campbell Morgan that made the statement that I alluded to at the beginning of the message. If you don't have any opposition in the place you serve, you're probably serving in the wrong place. Because God will groom those he loves, he will chasten, he will build. Another issue that causes some not to want to serve is because the position is not recognized enough. Oh, I don't want to be an usher. My goodness. They're every place but where I want to be. Oh, I don't mind being on the worship team. But, you know, I'm not going to be one of these people back here. I want to be this person up here. Well, that's not you. I'm not. I just. Okay. Take no offense. Take no offense. I want to be this person. You know, Pastor, I like the way you play guitar. I want to play guitar like that. Put fifty years into it, you can. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, in the kingdom of God, service is not a stepping stone to notability or nobility. It is nobility. Serving is recognition. Let me begin to wrap this up. Number three, real quick. Our ability to surrender very simply comes from knowing our Savior. Jesus said these words, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. That where I am, there will my servant be also. And if anyone serves me, he said, my father will honor him. My father will honor him. See, servitude, ladies and gentlemen, as Pastor Philemon alluded to a few moments ago, it's not really about talent and skill and ability. Yes, all those things, they're, they're, they're great and they're important. But it's really about dedication, passion, and heart. It's about our love for him, which comes because he loved us first. One man said that before you can serve God, you've got to know him. You've got to know him. You've got to know him. I'm going to ask the usher team to come. For you calorics out there, don't get worried. I didn't finish your notes. Oh, worship team. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the ushers all. Yeah, worship team. Well, yeah, the ushers could come. You guys want to come play? Come do the worship. Get the worship team to come. One of the gifts you have in in, uh, being a pastor is you get to make a fool out of yourself all the time. You stand up here once in a while, you know, and and one of us will forget to communicate to the other like I did with Pastor Philmont a few weeks ago. He came running up here because I forgot to communicate to him. Yeah. You guys thought we had it all together. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, we serve him because we know him. I ask you today, there's a lot more notes there for you to look at, and I may preach more of it later on. But do you know him? Is he your Lord? Is he your Lord? So you say, well, Pastor, I just, you know, I just don't feel called. Like I shared with you a few minutes ago, folks, I didn't feel like even being here. And that happens. I can guarantee Carlos, leading the ushers, there's days he don't feel like it. the nursery, the children's, the youth, men's ministry, women's ministry. There's times, ladies and gentlemen, we just don't feel like it. Can I ask you, do you think Jesus felt like Calvary? You say, Pastor, that you're making me feel guilty. Put the shoes on then. It's okay. He said, Father, any other way, but then he said, I didn't come to do my will. I came to do yours. Why are you in this church? I'm gonna put the shoes on the feet right now. Are you here because God brought you here? I mean, we got an awesome worship team. I think the pastor is pretty, well, one of them pretty good. <laughs> I think we do a pretty good job here. But is that why you're here? Now, don't get me wrong, ladies and gentlemen. We all have preferences. And the sad reality is most of our Christian life is more about our preference than his heart and passion. That's really, that's a sad testimony of what the Christian church has become. Do you know when the Christian church began? They were killing them. The world keeps going the way that it's going. What's happening in every country of the world and is happening behind the scenes in America is going to happen. We're going to find out why we serve him. Is he our Savior or our Lord? Where are we at? Is he serving? Ladies and gentlemen, just going through the motions isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing him, loving him, because only then can we do what Ephesians 2 says. We'll begin to do the work that he planned for us before we were ever saved. Amen. Before we were ever saved. From Genesis to Revelation, over and over, the Bible tells us, your purpose, my purpose, is to use whatever gift he has placed in our life to serve others. Well, you say, Pastor, I'm doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm working in this job and I'm serving my boss and I'm serving my company and I'm serving my... No, for kingdom purpose. For kingdom purpose. We're going to sing here in just a moment. And I, I just want to ask you, are you serving him? Are you serving him? We have great needs in the church. Go ahead. Put up on there if you would, Courtney, some of the ministry needs that we have. It's all the way towards the end of the notes. We have the children's ministry. Go ahead. we got the different ministries, okay? <laughs> Usher's ministry. The youth ministry. We've got... In our church, you know, got a whole list of them uh, written down here. We've got the um, hospitality uh, ministry, the cleaning ministry, men's ministry, women's ministry, worship ministry, the media arts, the, the sound ministry. In the back, you know, we got Victor. Wave your hand back there, Victor. Jeremy, put your hand up. Okay, duck down, whichever you do. Folks, they're back there in the box every week. Ivan goes back there. Between Victor and Ivan, they're, they're trading off the sound ministry and the drums. Maybe you go, I don't have a clue. They didn't have a clue until they started. All the ministries. We have the altar ministry, the prayer ministry. Pastors say, or, uh, you know, people say, well, oh, pastor, how do I know? Hey, a great way to start, get back in the prayer room. Get back in the prayer room. They'll help you to pray for God's direction. There's lots of things that God wants you to get involved in. Amen. But it's your choice. My job, preach the truth. Amen. His job, set him free. Amen. Your job, let him amen. find your place in Christ. And watch what God does in your life. Can you say amen?
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 at the Flagstaff Middle School Complex. I'm Joe Harding. For Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Centers, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.